Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your original Monday night Fulham fix. My name is Sammy James. And on tonight's show, we're going to be looking back at Friday's West London derby between Fulham and Queen's Park Rangers, as Fulham made themselves the best of the West. And while the rest of the cast on the podcast tonight consists of Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Farrell Monk. Hello, everyone. And our second Jack tonight, Jack Kelly. Good evening. How are we doing? A, uh, a positive podcast today after after Friday's win. It's nice. Yeah, we're also two, two Jacks short of a winning hand. <laughs> Very good. But it's still a full house, though, at least. It's always a full house in here, mate. <laughs> um, right, well, we've got uh, lots to discuss from Friday. We'll also look ahead to Tuesday's game uh, against Derby. As ever, let's do some three-word reviews. Secretary Jack Collins, what came through? Damn winter, take a boo, son. Which I thought was just really, <laughs> really good. Oh, lovely. And shout out <laughs> Luke Bull who went back to lights, camera, action. (laughs) I have so much time for a return to form on that one. Rob Zapalski, prodigal son, returns. Jack and Loz, Derby Day Dazzler. And Adbron Smith, Abu's back, Kamara. Very good. (laughs) Nearly all of them were Kamara-related. It is nice to hear lights, camera, action. That's a real throwback to kind of like first couple of seasons we did the podcast that always he used to um, come up a lot came up well he was the main man um on saturday uh just a quick one before we start the podcast that if you're looking for somewhere to watch friday night's game between swansea and fulham obviously first choice is to go down to the liberty stadium but for some of us who are in london we can't make it down there train situ doesn't help jack kelly i imagine you will be there yeah i'm gonna stay overnight though go for a bit of a clubbing session after the one all draw it's it's a tough one to get down (laughs) to (laughs) everyone look out for Jack <laughs> Mission <laughs> Kelly <laughs> it's a tough one to get to though isn't it yeah yeah I mean it's not ideal there's a train at 5am the next morning but you know you've got to be hardcore if you want to go for that one so yeah if you're not hardcore like Jack and you're in London but you'd like to watch it with some Fulham fans we've booked a big space at the EV bar in Southwark which is underneath the train lines and they have a big old screen and they've sectioned off a big corner of the bar uh, for Fulham fans to watch it on their big screen so come on down it's free there's no tickets it's a free-for-all basically we don't know how many people are going to turn up we could overwhelm the bar or they could just be the three of us having a pint <laughs> in a section for about 50 people. So if you want to come watch the game with a load of Fulham fans, hopefully on Friday night, then come down to the EV bar in Southwark, uh, not too far from Waterloo Station either. And uh, yeah, it should be it should be jokes. Be a laugh. Yeah. See what happens. We'll have some pints. Enjoy ourselves. Yeah, at the very worst, it's just going to be me, Jack and Farrell. So uh, you're more than welcome to tag along. Right, let's talk about Friday's game key point to talk about is Abubakar Kamara coming into the side for Alexander Mitrovic. Farrell, were you surprised that that's what Scott went with on Friday? Because we were all talking really about Bobby Reid getting the nod. Yeah, um, I wouldn't. I, I don't think surprise would be the right word. Um, it was kind of like, well, Abu's starting when I heard and I was like, okay, fair enough. You know, he is the, the number two striker and um, he has had a little bit part to play throughout the season so far. Um, you know, and he made an impressive cameo against Birmingham City when yeah. he came on for that final 20. So he'd put himself in contention for it. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he is he's on the bench as another striker, as the backup for Mitrovic. If that wasn't the case, then he wouldn't even be on the bench to start off with. But, you know, he is part of Scott, 
Scott Parker's plans and and he is there to be utilized and he is part of one of our assets and it is you know I'm I'm happy for him that he got the two goals and um and I'm happy that he contributed to what is ultimately the goal of 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 winning the match and getting uh, especially the West London derby um but it's probably the not the greatest two goal performance I've ever seen in my life to be Ooh. honest but saying that I to his credit he you know when he had two chances to score he scored them both and he did take them well, which in the past, you know, he might have fluffed a little bit. You know, with Birmingham, he had the one-on-one chance. and It's a good it, save. The the Birmingham one. Where he hits the post. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a brilliant save. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. Oh, no, he I did hit it straight at him. But anyway, that's we're not talking about that. But apart from that, I don't think he contributed a great deal to, to the overall performance. Um, he did pressurize their defense a little bit um he did start a few attacking moves but apart from that i thought he was quite wasteful and i do think that is somewhat reflected in the fact our possession wasn't as is probably its lowest it's been for a long long time apart from obviously the middle through a game when we were down to 10 men for most of the game i thought it was quite an intelligent performance and and not you know obviously you have to categorize that by the standard of what we've seen before it was not you know prime kevin de bruyne we're not talking about you know games that you know a player that's intercepted and and thought about the game as a whole but for a kamara performance i thought it was really really intelligent and yes he had his moments my my favorite of which was when he tried to do a back heel it went straight out of play and then demanded it was a throw into us and we were oh all like my God. that was that was directly in front of me it was hilarious to say the but least but you know what hands up and I have been Abubakar Kamara's most strident critic at times and I thought he was excellent for large sways I thought in the first half he, he was probably our best player um, he you know he, he gave us something he gave us options and and a lot of the time in the first 20 minutes we tried to play like Alexandra Mitrovic was on the on the pitch and he wasn't and we kept losing the ball but as soon as we started to feed the ball a little bit more into Kamara's strengths, you know, not necessarily expecting him to to win a direct header, but, but put it a little bit in front of him. And, you know, yes, he's awkward and clumsy when he gets the ball, but he controlled the ball well. He, he held up the ball a fair yeah. bit. He, he got in behind and then he scored a goal which was composed. It was, you know, silky almost, that header, I, I would say, off, yeah. off his bonce. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's not something we say about him very often. And, the, actually, what really impressed me about the goal was the way he peeled off. Yeah, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he steps up and then peels backwards, nods it into the corner. It's right in the corner. It, you know, there's nothing Joe Lumley can do about that. If Joe Lumley was good, he wouldn't be playing for QBR. But even if he was good, he wasn't going to save that. Uh, it's a really good header. In the second half, I thought he was overshadowed a little bit by Bobby Reid, who I thought his performance was absolutely sensational. We'll come on to that mm-hmm, a little bit yep. later. Um, but on the whole, you know what? Credit to Abubakar Kamara and hands up. I didn't. When I saw him start, I was like, oh, Scott, what are you doing? But he proved me wrong. And I think it's probably the best game we've seen of him in a, in a Fulham shirt. Um, Jack, Kelly, <laughs> I think Farrell's been incredibly harsh here on Abubakar Kamara. I thought he was terrific throughout the game. I thought that actually there was that point um, after 20 minutes where we were really on the ropes. And actually, it was a few neat touches from Kamara, which set up attacks for Fulham, often towards knockout. They ended up being nothing, but he kind of got Fulham back into the game through a few just nice touches, got us a foothold mm. where we could build on. And I, and I think that 
actually, he deserves his Man of the Match award, which was always going to come after scoring two goals anyway. But it seems to me that Abu has maybe not won all the fans back yet, but he certainly won the players back. And there were lots of tweets about mm. Abubakar. I think Joe Bryan tweeted about him. Mark Maunders, who's um, player liaison, he was really glowing about the change of Abubakar since he's come back mm. from loan. He seems to have matured a lot. Um, we've shipped him out to Turkey and, and he's come back a, a different person. Yeah, he did really well. And I think he, he grew in confidence like the team did more as the, as the game went on. And, you know, after such a ropey opening 20 minutes, we needed someone just to be a little bit more composed and he was up front. And when it came to his, um, to his goals, like Jack said, brilliant header, the way he peeled off the defender, great work from Adoy to, to make the goal happen. Um, so pleased for Adoy. It was a great turn. But I just think, I actually was thinking about this on the way here. The performance he put in against Villa in the playoff final was really mature. Mm. Really, he did really well. I don't think he gets enough credit for that because uh, he started him on the right-hand side and you know it was such a very good performance in that playoff final. That's probably why we won in that first half because it was just such a good performance. But I think that Kamara deserved a little bit more credit than... Um, he deserves more credit for his overall Fulham contribution so far. Like, he was okay in our promotion season. He scored a few key goals. He's had a few key performances. And I'll tell you what, like, if you give him more game time, he'll just get better. And I just really want it to work out for him because we should start him on Tuesday because he warrants a start. And if he does, hopefully he goes in confidence, scores more goals for us. Farrell, would you start him on Tuesday? No. Um, <laughs> I love you this. know, uh, uh, You'd have to drop Mitrovic, a guy who scored. Could play on the right. Could play on the right. Yeah, for knockout ahead instead of for knockout. Yeah. I thought knockout had an awful game. I don't think knockout had a particularly good game, but you know, Friday aside, <laughs> Friday aside, um, I think Kamara up until de- today has had a very very poor season when he has had the opportunity to show what he can. Hard do. Hard to come off the bench though. Yeah, it, but you know, make an impact. I should know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily start him. I'm actually, despite I've just given him all that praise, I wouldn't necessarily start him on on Tuesday either. Obviously, Mitrovic comes back in. I think we play differently with Mitrovic up there, and and it's something that Jack and I were talking about before we came on air. Um, the way that Fulham played with pace in the second half has so much to do with the way that that Fulham play. And and actually, if you start Kamara and you have sort of like a, a loose cannon on one wing, it doesn't play into the way we control games mm. with, with Mitrovic and, and something that I'd noticed a lot was I was really worried when Kearney dropped back into into a little bit deeper in midfield when uh, obviously Harrison Reed went off Steph Joe went to the base Kearney went alongside him Bobby Reed came on and you can do that if you're Fulham as long as Mitrovic isn't playing and that's not to slight either of them but if Kearney is playing deep and Mitrovic is playing up front Fulham become way too slow. Like we yeah. become sluggish. We find it really hard to break down teams with everyone in front of him and Kenny able to pick out passes. You can do that. And and something that I'd be really interested in now is whether Scott starts to switch things up. Obviously, Alexander Mitrovic is the best player in this league. I'm I'm not trying to, to say that, but I would be interested now to see if Scott starts bringing Kamara on with ten minutes to go instead of Mitrovic to completely change up how Fulham attack because something that was really interesting is the way that we completely played a different system second half to what we normally do. And that contributes to what Farrell was saying earlier about lacking possession. It isn't the same. It's not the much control. There's not, it, it's very sort of breakneck, mm. but it gives us an option. Well, it was that's something we've, we've missed. It was lovely yeah. to see. We were playing counter-attacking football at times. And, and I can't remember the last time we 
really did that. I mean, it's something we should have done in the Premier League much more. We do it certainly a lot better than we used to, that's for sure. And that's happened definitely in this season so far. You know, under Jukanovic, we weren't very good at counter-attacking. We just couldn't play counter-attacking football, even when it wasn't was available to us. We'd slow the game down too much. And I think that was just the players at our disposal. We just weren't very we just weren't very good at it. I think now we have two natural wingers certainly playing every game. They know to play more direct when we do get the ball. And maybe that is plays into more Kamara strength because Mitrovic is not a counter-attacking player, is he? No. Um, and, but that is just one facet of the game. I think everything else that we've been doing this season up to date we're much better at you know we do control possession better we do you know hurt teams more we do get more possession we do create a lot more chances i think when you actually look at the game as a whole on friday we didn't actually you know, we did create chances um i don't think kamara was the focal point of those you know we did actually end up hitting the post four times at the end of at the end of the day two cavalero knockout had a chance um but as a whole You've got to you've got to realise that the overall performance was better when we have Mitrovic in the team instead of Kamara. I do get your point that Knockart has didn't really have a good game on on Friday, but you can't just look at this one performance from Abubakar Kamara, which I still think, although his two two goals were taken very very well as a performance overall, he did lose possession a lot of times. He was out of position a lot of times. Did he sort of? pressure their defense um, as much as we we would hope not really i and but i do take your point that it is certainly an option that we have and it's a good option to have but not to displace any member of the team that we have i don't think you'll be on his christmas card list i don't think he listens <laughs> <laughs> no but, like, but I the think, only thing i would I suggest think... is that I, I i'd maybe argue your your comment about the high press is potentially like i, I feel like we were much better pressing with you know a lone cannon just absolutely caning it around up top and that's not to suggest that again like i don't think he should start i think he should come on and be a weapon off the bench and and really start to utilize that role that is something that i think because i, I thought he was much better up front than he has been wide yeah because it gives him the you know just the ability to get in behind or, or the ability yeah. to, to chase and, and actually lead that press from the start whereas if you lead that press from the right wing and, and you remember if you look at the early graphs from, from what oh, we yeah. did, where Kamara was so far ahead of the rest of the team when we were trying to do that in the kind of maps that George creates after games, that it sort of throws us all out of kilter. Mm. But when you're the, the figurehead, when you're the spear point, you can do that press and you can charge around and, and make that happen. And I thought that put QPR under pressure and they lumped it a lot. Mm. And not to say that that's not what they were going to do anyway. Yeah. Um, but but I do think that Kamara leading that press gives us a different element to that. I to I do agree with you there, and just thinking about what you were saying, that with the current team how it is, it just doesn't work as a high press um, if he's playing on the wing because we don't play really really attacking fullbacks. It definitely works better under Jukanovic when we had Ryan Fredericks behind him mm. because they were playing we were playing so much higher with our fullbacks yep. with with Brian and Adoy at the moment, and if Steven Sessegnon gets back in. They're not necessarily a high press kind of player, are they? At the moment, um, so I d you know perhaps the style of system that we've seen with Kamara to date it just isn't working for him. Maybe with if he's playing up front, it it works to our benefit. Um, but you know, I think it slightly flatters him considering the real standout performer on Friday night was Bobby Reed, the absolute game changer. Because before that, we we weren't particularly good. 
Well, we'll come on to that because there was actually a rest of the game because this has just become Abubakar Kamara-ish. Um, Jack, we went behind in the second minute and it was all a bit of a disaster, really. It feels like it felt like a long time ago by the time the end of the match came, but Jordan Hugill put QPR ahead. It was the second minute, but it wasn't even QPR's first chance. They really came out the blocks. They were pressing full and very, very high made us commit countless errors passing it out the back mark warburton must have been delighted after 20 minutes his game plan was executed perfectly and we really found ourselves on the back foot and we didn't really know what to do Mm, it's the worst way to start a game and and it came from mark rodak uh putting the ball straight out of play for a throw in the quick thinking and brian wasn't good enough on on that side of the pitch and the ball came across and wasn't dealt with particularly well and actually from where I was standing I knew it across the line I was just waiting for the referee to, to signal goal and he did and you know it's just not ideal to start the game like that um, especially after an international break when the, when the anticipation for a derby and then after three minutes you're, you're one nil down it's just not ideal but um, and, it, and it really could have been two I mean Tim Ream got away with one there had a disaster when he scored that own goal against Leeds a few years ago and he knew it almost did something quite similar and, and, and if we were two nil down there's no way we're coming back from that but but even this is why I was so frustrated because even when we equalised, I didn't. <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous. I didn't celebrate when we scored because I was so furious with the performance. <laughs> but um, but even like two minutes after, Jordan Hugo just gets in, and then Rodak does really well to come out and make a save. But yeah, we we got away with with it in the first half completely. Yeah. If it wasn't for for Rodak, we could have been in real trouble. And also mm. just a real lack of clinical finishing from from Rangers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we could have had absolutely no complaints if that was four yeah. one at half. Time. It was becoming laughable. It was literally every time they were winning the ball so high up the pitch, we couldn't get out. There was just seemed to be no flair, no quality, no just you know even just on the passing side, there was no clinical passing going on. It was just weak and tame. What Warburton said after the game that you know he he told his players look, we know how how good they are we just need to be very brave and i he said that yeah we were brave and it was a, you know we we played very well and put them under a lot of pressure and just they just didn't take their chances as well um he also talked a little bit about how he's researched a lot of the games and when i think it goes back to it might be the forest game he said or the blackburn game where the team was very very brave and they got their reward it was the forest game i do apologize and you know, he obviously looked at that and thought, yes, we need to press them. Let's not let them control the game. And it worked for them. Um, that being said, I don't think many teams in the world could keep up the kind of intensity that QPR no. were, were trying on in the first no. 10 minutes. I think more worrying than that. Like, and I do think that's going to be a thing. Teams will come out and try and batter us 10 minutes to try and get a lead and then try and defend it. And and that was obviously their tactic from the very get-go. What really worried me was the fact that we just didn't clock that everything was going through a Berriette until about yeah. 27, 28 minutes in, where Dennis Adoy decided to take it upon himself uh, to, to basically deal with that. And, I, I, you know, aside from the assist... At the time, I didn't think that Dennis Adoy had had a particularly good game. Um, I've watched it back now. And, and something that I didn't give him enough credit for at the time was the fact that he basically decided that he was going to be the one to deal with Etse. And it, it didn't always work. But a lot of the time, he sort of basically just kept kept coming at Etse. And he kept putting in tackles, kept giving him sort of hits a little bit late at, at times. It was a little bit callous. Um, but it worked. And it, and it stopped him basically controlling the game. But... It took half an hour almost yeah. for Fulham to realise that Etze was just sort of drifting off his wing and 
and controlling everything. And that's such a worry. You know, you let Tom Lawrence do that against Derby tomorrow night and we'll be in trouble. You know, you let Ben Rama do that when we play Brentford later in the year. You let... Um, oh, I've just completely forgotten his name. Um, Calvin Phillips? No. Uh, Leeds? One second. Which, which player? Which team? Preston. Swansea, who's the... Oh. Uh, you let Bertrand Selina do that. You let Bertrand Selina do that against Swansea on Friday night. We're in serious trouble. You have to work out who, you know, things are going through. And actually, QPR didn't really have really well to begin with because they stopped Tom Kearney getting the ball and being able to play out. And then suddenly Fulham looked toothless. The ball was going out of play all over the place. We didn't have any sort of passing range. And, and the fact that someone had clocked that on us so early and we didn't do it to them really worries me. And that was my main concern with the first half performance. Do you think Fulham then got lucky on Friday? Do you think that actually Fulham, it wasn't Scott Parker that won us this game at all. It was just a fortunate series of events and Fulham taking their chances when necessary. Certainly though in the second half, the Bobby Reed switch mm. really did help us yeah well i think we just up the intensity in the second half and we and even like we mentioned earlier the counter-attacking we look more dangerous counter-attacking than we did than we do when we keep this possession style of play and we just pass it around the box like honestly there was more directness from caviero like i know he, he hit the post in the first half but um but when we had caviero knockout bobby reed kamara all coming forward we looked such a threat and actually the goal that won it just came from a mistake and, and it was quick thinking from Johansson who just slid it forward mm. <laughs> but if Kamara had not scored that that would have been a worse decision to shoot than it was like Harry yeah. Kane shooting well, in the World Cup semi-final and not playing it to Sterling because Reed's right there and he would have tapped it in or not because he hasn't scored for Fulham yet somehow <laughs> <laughs> contrived to miss I saw this screenshot and I've seen the freeze of, of Kamara not squaring it to Bobby and obviously we all know the famous one of Kane not passing it to Sterling I just think when you slow down football to freeze frames like that, it's it's very easy to say he should have passed it. Great I mean, teams, great teams always look to square. This is yeah. Thing. I mean, like Man City do it all the time, constantly. It's how they score all the goals. Yeah, they literally just they make it almost impossible not to score. Yeah, and actually, it's really interesting. Something that always comes out to me is imagine the difference. So Fulham lost xG wise at the weekend, right? And and something that always kind of yeah, I hold against XG actually is that if Kamara squares so Kamara scores a you know 0.3 chance or whatever it is right if he squares it it becomes like a 0.8 and all yeah. it would it's one pass and the graph completely changes and it's something that I hold against XG because I think it's a little bit difficult to understand that sometimes you have to do those kind of yeah, things yeah. in the heat at the moment but I do think a sensible player squares that yeah absolutely I, I was and he almost messed it up. I no, was... no, 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 that's that's unfair. It's a good finish, uh, and actually, it's powerful enough that it beats the goalkeeper. Mm, fine, but, but he goes across the goalkeeper it's... as well. Because if the goalkeeper gets much more to that, then it's going to fall to Bobby Reed anyway. I don't yeah. think that's what Kamara was thinking at the time. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, and that's the whole point. It's so quick. Yeah, you've got like the splittest of seconds. We're watching in the stands. I didn't see Bobby Reed. I didn't see many people going, should have squared that. I mean, yeah, maybe people uh, are yeah, caught no, up in the I celebrations. <laughs> I, thought think, I, I thought it went wide. I thought it went wide. Yeah. And I thought it had gone wide. Yeah. <laughs> from where I was, I was about to from where someone. I was, I, I was ready to blow. It looked like it was going wide and Bobby Reed was right in my line of sight. Oh, fair enough. Maybe it's just me. I just think it happens so quickly and sometimes yeah. it's very easy to do a, a freeze frame and say, should have squared it. Yeah. And like, of course he should in hindsight. Yeah. But 
it's it's one not even tenth of a second. It goes in, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that exactly. Yeah, we won. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, we will. You know, we won't be as angry as Rangers fans, so that's fine by me. The the one last thing I wanted to raise, like which I think probably needs to, is that we're probably not giving Parker enough credit for the win yeah. because, yeah, we can talk about stuff like Dennis Adoy much being better on Eze and the switch and everything but that's the part of the you know the working management team that he's built around him and there you know we don't know whether Dennis he told Dennis Adoy to mark as a tighter or um you know press them a bit higher and and you know make Kenny drop a bit deeper all those kinds of things and you know I fully believe that this particular team really get on board with what Parker's saying because there's almost there was as soon as he came in, there was an instant change of the style we play and that hasn't really deviated much since he became permanent manager and I think that they really get on board with what Parker's mm. saying. So I do feel like whatever the team have, you know, the management team have told the players, whether in the changing room or whether shouting on the pitch, it worked on Friday. Yes, it didn't It didn't yeah. work on, um, it didn't work for the first 20, 25 minutes but fair play to the team and fair play to the management team to actually sort of recognise those small little changes to turn the game in our favour. And, you know, if it was Jukanovic, I'd argue that perhaps we probably wouldn't have got the win in the end. I, I, I would like to kind of agree with you in many ways. But what I would say is that I think it is a bit of both to your original question, Sam. It's we were lucky to not be 3-0 down by the time. But when those changes were made by Parker, he deserves credit for for getting them right uh, and therefore and adapting and learning the game look if we'd been 3-0 down after 10 minutes we would be criticizing parker we weren't you know whether that is luck or actually you know what he selected marek rodak after it would have been very easy to drop marek rodak after he was you know sent off in his second game or and and he didn't he no. stuck with him he brought him back in after his suspension was served and he's given him a shot and marek rodak was absolutely crucial. He made two unbelievable saves. The one that stands out, that one from sort of Mawson deflection on 42 minutes mm. where Fulham would be going in. It's an unbelievable save and no one's talking enough about it. It's like the reactions to get back across himself to keep that out are just like untoward almost. And I didn't bring know, it up because I was actually in the loo at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, he, you know, the stop just after we scored to stop them going straight at 2-1 back ahead and, and all of that that deserves credit for Parker and and yeah the switch for bringing Bobby Reid on you know uh, he was going to bring Bobby Reid on before Harrison Reid picked up a slight knock by the looks of it because he was already warm and, and, and kind of stripped so yeah. at the time I was and I said this on full time I was really worried when we brought Harrison Reid off and we left Johansson at the base because I was like you know QPR have players in that midfield they can they can actually play the ball around and, and actually if we mm. give them more time to start picking those passes out we could be in trouble but it worked an absolute treat and credit to Park for that one thing I wanted to touch on kind of before we finish QPR my dad after the full-time whistle said you better go on the podcast and, and praise Scott Parker for his substitutions uh, normally you criticize him but I thought his substitutions were excellent tonight and I said well I don't know if they were because I don't know how much of a fan I am of this massive sitting back on a one goal lead. He and going to th- three at the back and I just felt like it really invited pressure on us way too early. We were really in the ascendancy and taking off um Cavalero for Christie or was it Cavalero for McDonald at that Cavalero point? 
Um, I just feel like teams better than QPR would have taken advantage of that situation. We sat so deep, invited so much pressure on ourselves. And I just feel like we keep making that same mistake late on of trying to defend one goal leads too hard. I I would argue that it, you know, more often than not, that tactic works. I think the statistics back it up. I don't know what they are, but I'm sure it probably is. There must be some sort of result of it. To be honest, in that first, they did, we did invite pressure a little bit, but we we are dealing with that pressure far better than we used to. That's for sure. You know, there was what the Sheffield Wednesday game earlier this year. There was a late late equaliser, but you know, apart from that, when we are, have been defending a one goal lead, it's been generally fine. We are but the doing... West Brom game as well. We kind of sat back on the one goal lead a little. I, and There's also, only so much we can do. About as I, I'm West just, Brom. I'm also just not so convinced by Fulham ever playing three at the back. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, that's the other. That's the other. That was point actually there. more my point. Where there's, there's, they're sitting back, and that's a mentality thing, whatever. Um, but it's, it's this three at the back that he just absolutely loves to go to if he ever gets an opportunity. Sammy against modern football is that what it is? Basically, four four two. Um, it is an interesting one. I, I'm kind of with you. One of my favourite statistical tactical quirks is it, the Dutch kind of method. Is when they're when Dutch teams are under pressure, they often bring on a striker. Um, for a defender uh, and it's an old quirk of the the Cruyffian system that they basically go to release pressure we should attack more uh, and and it's kind of a philosophy that I've always bought into you know the way that you actually relieve these kind of things is actually by making them think a little bit more about pushing so many men forward because you'd be like well if we leave three up top they're going to have to sit back a little bit further I don't think it always works and I think that Parker's decision was justified in the fact that we, we did win the game Something that I, I thought was, was interesting was that when we went five at the back, we started to, we did sit back a little bit too much, but I actually thought we wrestled control back a little bit. Um, you know, right after the goal, we were massively in the ascendancy and and then they started to go a little bit more direct. They had a couple of sort of half chances and and I thought bringing Christie on was actually quite, quite useful because it allowed us to get a little bit wider uh, and really start to kind of push back on Ryan Manning and, and Todd Kane, who had basically up to that point kind of had the freedom of the park. Um, so I, I thought it wasn't the worst change in the world. But that said, I thought when we went to that formation, we sat far deeper than we needed to. I would have liked to have seen us go that way and then really kick the fullbacks on uh, and really try and stretch QPR because they were having to, to do that. And especially with the pace that we had up front at that point, you know, Knockart, AK, Bobby Reed, uh, and the ability of Kenny and Johansson to slot balls through to them, I thought it was something that we really could have taken more advantage of. Um, but on the whole... You know, Parker brought on McDonald in the last couple of minutes and he dealt with like three headers in a row. Yeah. And at the time I was a bit like, oh, I'm just not sure about that. But actually it it made quite a lot of sense. He won three really important headers. We saw the game out. Yeah. Uh, and I would be first to jump on Scott's back if that hadn't paid off. So I think I've probably got to, you know, flip that and be the first to say, yeah, fair enough. It worked when it did. Yeah, fair enough. And And also like... We are all happy that we won, by the way. There's just lots yeah. of questions to be asked still. I, I wouldn't have been happy if that phantom corner went in right at the end. Yeah, that the, was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. It like, just wasn't a corner. It, like, not even close. Everyone was walking away. You know, They the, were walking the, the, away. Yeah, the, 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 
the big indicator was a trial, the crowd going way. Yeah. They weren't going way. Oh, we've conceded a corner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or it wasn't a synchronized. Let's de- let's deceive the ref here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jack. Speaking of um, the crowds on Friday night, I thought it was a really good atmosphere and didn't miss the stand too much. It didn't feel that weird. It still is odd being able to see the Riverwalk, mm. um, but at the Putney end. Um, sounded in good voice-ish from from the hammy end. I wouldn't say it was like mad amount of chanting, but from from reports for people that were in there, it was actually a really good atmosphere yeah. on on Friday. Um, some of the QPR lads were a little bit angry at the end, weren't they? No, I enjoyed that. Um, first of all, it wasn't even that cold. All this thing about all the riverside. Yeah, it was going to be the coldest place in the world, and then it wasn't. It just yeah. wasn't cold. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty. Although I was wearing five layers. Um, anyway, yeah, QPR fans, of course, they love to kick off. I mean, I remember. And we beat them 2-1 at their place. They were jibing at me and my brothers. And I thought, this is quite fun. We did win the game, so whatever. But no, I was, it was very fun coming out the ground because all the QPR fans were walking towards Hammersmith. Uh, Hammersmith and we were obviously walking towards the park. And actually, uh, we ducked into the, the club shop. So we basically had to cut in through this like ant line of QPR fans. And they were just so furious. And, and these two girls just started shouting in my face and I was a bit like well we just won so just, mm. like just grow up anyway that was good fun but um yeah I'm, I'm glad that I think it looks quite nice the Riverside stand just just gone it looks quite interesting quite quirky but um no I'm looking forward to it it's getting I look forward to it getting built up again yeah, some real progress because on the, it was only two weeks ago you and I were saying they're taking their sweet time over it. And yeah, it's amazing. I do feel sorry for Junior. Where's Junior? <laughs> no, Junior was there. He was. Yeah, I, I just mean, about to see his flag. Yeah, yeah but he was, he was I, behind the fence. No, 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 no. Obviously, I could see, I could see, and also his Instagram story did suggest that he was about. But like, it was more just I was like, he was. He's not going to be that much of a big deal now because you can't really see him. No, you can only see him a bit, like poking his head above the parapet almost. Maybe. Um, on games where it's not on Sky, there's some camera gantries, isn't there? On the, Stick him um, up there. See what on the riverside, maybe we can just plonk him up there like some sort of cheerleader. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for 90 minutes, he needs a play. Some justice for Junior. He needs a place to watch uh, the football. He's become a cult hero. We can't be ditching him after just three months. Right, uh, that is all the fallout from QPR. We're going to look ahead to Tuesday night's game against Derby, and we've got a few questions as well. Fulhamish has partnered with the TerraceStore.com, who have a great range of official. Fulham merchandise with a retro twist some amazing products with throwbacks to some of the iconic Fulham kits of yesteryear right now Fulhamish listeners can get 10% off just use the code Fulhamish when you check out Uh, they've got some great presents particularly with Christmas around the corner so make sure you use the code Fulhamish for 10% off that's at the terracestore.com hello Dom here if you want an extra Fulham audio fix each week check out the Fulham fan show on Love Sport Radio which is every Wednesday from 9 until 10pm UK time there's plenty of Fulham discussion and regular interviews with ex-players too if you can't listen live just search for Fulham Fan Journey Podcast app of your choice and get it on demand whenever you like Welcome back to part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Farrell Monk. Hi. And Jack Kelly. Good evening. Right, so let's look ahead to Tuesday's game against Derby at the Cottage. It always feels weird when you have such a long time off of football. So it was best part of two weeks. And then suddenly three games come about in quite quick succession especially at Craven Cottage as well so for for most fans we're heading back to the cottage on Tuesday we face a Derby side that have had a pretty tumultuous season really um 
they're languishing in mid-table under Philip Koku, and really the story of their season has been defined by the instant, the team night out, um, Richard Keogh sacked, Tom Lawrence and Mason Bennett involved as well. They've been a little bit shell-shocked results-wise ever since that, but picked up a big win against Preston on Saturday from, from all reports. I briefly saw the highlights. It looked like Derby played really, really well. And um, yeah, that's a strong result against a, a good Preston side. They are much stronger at home than they are away. Their stats for home and away are absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, they're, they're fulhaming it from the Premier League. They've won their last five at home and they've won five drawn three and lost one at home away they've won one drawn three and lost four and their last five they've drawn drawn lost 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 okay they are bad travelers cruising for a win then on tuesday night when they come to craven cottage yeah they'll almost certainly break this now um i've said that it would be a really key one we've kind of moved ourselves into fourth place in the league jack but it's still really tight up there. There's still quite a bit of a gap to go up into the, the top two. So there's not really much margin for error despite winning a couple of games in a row. Yeah, and there's some tough fixtures. Um, Derby, then we've got Swansea, then Brentford and, and Preston and Bristol and all that lot. But um, yeah, Derby haven't been to our place since the playoff semi-final. So that's um, that's interesting. I think, first of all, I don't think Tom Lawrence and Mason Bennett should be playing football. That's just. I fully agree. It's just it's just unbelievable how they've got away with that, and it's just kind of been like swiped under the carpet a little bit. And then Richard Keir is the one who's got fired. But no, oh, no, well. I fully, I fully agree with you, Jack. It's, it's, I mean, we're off. not here to like have massively controversial opinions. It's not really what we're here to talk about. But yeah, it's it's a scandal. It's yeah. an absolute, and the fact that he got to play for Wales weeks after as well is also scandalous. It's borderline cheating, but but hey, whatever. Um, I think that it's just, it's just bad. It's just morally wrong. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? I don't think it's cheat. It's just more just like really sure. Anyway, but football think, lacks morals. Shock. I think I think Derby are a good team, and I think for years and years they've been knocking on the door of the Premier League, and they just never got there. They got the playoff final last year, and 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 lost to Villa. I think it'll be a tough game though because. It's just one of those games where, you know, we've got two on the bounce. We've got to make it three if we really want to cement our players in the playoffs. Um, one defeat and we could be out of there. We've just got to keep up um, this momentum that we have got. And I think Derby, with the likes of Chris Martin, Tom Lawrence, um, it, it could be difficult. But I do back us to win the game. Well, everything goes through Tom Lawrence, doesn't it, Jack? I mean, yeah. um, you look at their win on, on Saturday and he was absolutely instrumental um in in that yeah everything goes through him and he goes through other cars um (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's a really good footballer not very good at driving but really really good footballer and he you know (laughs) they will play through him because why wouldn't they i think if you look at this derby side it's so much weaker than it has been in previous years you know last year they had the array of talent that Lampard managed to sort of wangle off all the top clubs Wilson Mount you know yeah. Lawrence as a front three you look at how well they're doing the Premier League this season it's actually a bit of a travesty yeah. when you think about it that Derby didn't go up but even it. like Yosef Zoon who they took off of Brentford and was good for them they had a real kind of good squad there and now you look at this squad and you know Chris Martin's back up front and and you know I'm sure he'll want to come back and, and cause a stir and, and all of those things but he is a man who was out you know has, has been on the decline for a fair amount of time I still think he was a good player when he played for Fulham but since then has very much you know turned a kind of corner 
Mason Bennett and Tom Lawrence, as we discussed, Dwayne Holmes is, is a young talent, but hasn't quite, you know, you know, made this made the cut yet. Craig Forsyth, who used to be an attacking fullback, yeah. is now playing centre half for them with Curtis Davis. Uh, you know, they've kind of lost the, uh, I suppose, the explosiveness that they had last year. Jack Marriott's still a good player off the bench, but Jamie Patterson plays for them now. He was what good at Nottingham Forest five years ago. You know, looking at this team, this is this is a tired squad. Uh, and yes, they've been good at home. And yes, they have, you know, have strong form. And I like Koku as a manager. He's someone that I really, really push for. Well, you know, when Fulham were looking at, at managers, I, I still think yeah. that he has a really, really lovely record. And I think he's doing a good job with quite a poor Derby squad. Um, well, when we, we were talking dangerous. about new managers a while ago, I think pretty much everyone turned up with Koku on their list. Yeah. He, um, you know, he's, he's, his record at Pesva was, was unbelievable. And, and you look at the kind of the places he's managed and you think about those kind of things and, and he does seem to be doing a good job at Derby and I, I think that's key like people have been like oh Derby aren't doing that well considering where they were last year but considering how much weaker this squad is I think he's doing quite a, quite a decent job there um, they will cause us problems you know th- there will be things about this Tom Lawrence is let me say a fantastic footballer and he will he, he will be looking to cause damage um, but Ultimately, you know, we should be beating this squad at home, especially considering their away record. Well, another big night then for for Dennis Adoy um, in order to keep their main man um, at large. From a Fulham perspective, Farrell, um, the obvious change is that Mitrovic will come back into the side. It's not really one that needs debating. Would you make any other changes? I guess potential question marks are Anthony Knockart mm-hmm. again a poor performance really from him on Friday night I think the biggest thing he did was G up the crowd and hit the post um, not in the same move no not far apart though yeah. um, I can't really think of too many other players depending on Harrison Reed's yeah. knock potentially um, you might make a change there well I suppose it depends on how brave Scott Parker is feeling whether he sticks with you know, the Bobby Reed, Kenny and Johansson, um, you know, bulldozer of, of centre midfields of the entire championship there. That's quite a handy, handy trio to have in there. I think that's the, the question mark here. It, it, you know, the only one that would be would depending on Harrison Reed's fitness, basically. But we don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, there, there could be a return of Kevin McDonald in there um, at the base of the midfield. Because the last, the last, the, the few times that Bobby Reed has come off the bench, he's done exceptionally well and and really raised the performance. I think Bobby has struggled to keep up a good performance from one game to the next. That's been one of his biggest challenges so far. I remember after the Reading game where he was mag- magnificent, yeah. and then we went into that Charlton game and we kind of thought, right, this is Bobby Reed's big moment, and he was quite poor. I think he got pulled off at half time so he it would be nice to see Bobby actually kind of put in consecutive good performances because he was exceptional we didn't really touch on it that much on on Friday night his pass to um, Knockart where he hit the post mm. was was sublime it was looking like Kamara was the obvious pass and actually he found Knockart with just a beautifully weighted ball and he's, he's a classy yeah really classy player Jack would you make any changes for Tuesday night other than Mitrovic there's no point debating it yeah, I think Harrison Reed has is probably going to be out. Uh, Harry Art is nowhere to be seen, so we're kind of dropping like flies in midfield. I would maybe bring in McDonald, like you said, just at the base, just so we have a defensive midfielder. Uh, the other option is maybe like Onomar in as well, but uh, I'm not too keen for that. Uh, but then again, I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Bobby Reed midfield. The, yeah, yeah. So the only other sort of surprise, you know, if if I was feeling really brave, 
I don't think Joe Bryan is playing at the level that we're used to and probably that's good enough at the moment. And I was thinking, considering how assured he has been recently, that bringing Cyrus Christie at right back and then moving Adoy to left back, yeah, I, I would, to... I, I'd have absolutely no problems with that. You know, I, I love Joe Bryan and I think he's he's great for this club. But the last couple of performances have been stale. I would I would call it. Um, but well, he was it was it was the performance on Friday of someone that's just come back from injury. Wasn't yeah, 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 as well. absolutely. Um, yeah. But. If it, you know, and Cyrus and Cyrus again did well on Friday. Cyrus came on, and I thought he he didn't have much to do, but he did everything right. He didn't really put any wrong passes in. Obviously, he was good against Birmingham. We 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 know that. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it yeah. either. Other than that, I actually think Adoy did an all right job on the right hand side, and and I'd love to see some more early crosses. By the way, it was nice for that to to happen for once. Um, Jack, just quickly from you, any ch- any changes that that you would make? Yeah, I don't think I'd be that comfortable at this point dropping Joe Bryan. I actually well, agree with you on the whole. I, I don't think his performances have been particularly great recently. Um, but especially with Mitrovic back, I think he's our most detailed crossing threat. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I, I think that for that reason alone, I would have him in the squad. Um, yeah, I, I think Cyrus has been excellent. I've been, you know, calling for his return for a little while. Um, but on the whole, I don't think there's too much you can do. I think Mitrovic comes back in. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts Kamara on the right, uh, although I wouldn't do it myself. Yeah, uh, and I think I think the midfield three might actually be Kearney, Johansson, Reed. Okay, that would be my um, my thoughts on the matter. What, Bobby or Bobby, Bobby. Right, let's dip into the post bag. Uh, Jack, you're on the reins today. Um, what came in that uh, that caught your eye? There was uh, a good amount of questions came through. Yeah, we had a couple of emails, so um, I'm going to oh. rattle through those first. The, uh, this one from Andre he says, Is it possible to consider putting Kevin McDonald as centre-back to replace Tim Ream in the back four? I know K-Max are holding midfielder by trade, but we seriously need someone else back there while we wait for Michael Hexer to be eligible. Tim Ream was an awesome centre-back during his peak, but his defending was horrible against QPR in the first half. I listen to your podcast in sunny Southern California and I always enjoy your analysis and input. He's been at Fulham Sports since 2011 and been to Scottish five times. That's quite a good return from Southern California. Fair play, Andre. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't even listening when I was in Southern California. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Rude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He didn't even care. Um, it's an interesting one. Jack, I'm, I'm going to go to you first on this one. McDonald at centre-half, an experiment we saw against Southampton. Mm. Um but not necessarily one we've we've seen since, really. Uh, I wouldn't do that because he lacks pace, and and if we're being countered, it it could put, cause some problems. I just think McDonald is just at his best when he's just holding in midfield and sweeping up all the all the attacking issues that that the opposition um, pose to us. So yeah, I, I'd, I'd keep with Reem. I just think you know, yes, he might have been jet lagged. Yes, he might have you know. He was playing for the USA a couple of days before, and and that probably hindered his performance on Friday. But I'd stick with him because he is he is a bit of a hero, and I think he will come good at some point. And when Hector comes in, obviously then Parker will have some uh, decisions to make. Yeah, I don't think it was that bad a performance from Ream on Friday to warrant such drastic action. I think if we had another centre back ready to go that could potentially mm. challenge Ream, then maybe that decision would be warranted. But I think it need something abhorrent yeah. from Tim Ream to to justify action that isn't like a direct change. It's yeah. very much a square peg in a round hole putting yeah. McDonald at centre-back. And I, I would argue that it's far more likely to see Dennis Adoy filling in at centre-back if there were to be a dramatic yeah. fall-in performance from our American hero. 
I'm a little bit more open to this, I think, than the three of you. I, you know, remember that game against Southampton, and I thought Kevin McDonald did, you know, perfectly reasonably at, at centre half. Yes, it was a little bit of a here and there, nothing game mm-hmm. in many regards. But he, you know, he was composed. He was he was controlled, and and we saw him there a couple of years back. I remember against QPR. Yeah, when he, had... he's actually had a few cameo performances in the the first Jakanovic full season. He, Absolutely, he in at centre back, uh, and so I wouldn't be totally against it. I think you've got to really monitor it. And Jack's point there in particular about pace. If you've got a quick striker, maybe. But you know, we're playing Chris Martin <laughs> tomorrow night. You know that mm-hmm. that's the kind of. Uh, uh, striker I think you might be okay putting a Kevin McDonald up against um, I, I think it's one to consider but I don't think it's anything worth drastically making a change for right now if, I, if I'm if i honest what colour do you think Chris Martin will be wearing tomorrow <laughs> all yellow all yellow yeah absolutely <laughs> um, Jesus, that's completely what? lost on me Coldplay, Coldplay. Sorry, Um, I don't know why that came to mind. Right, this one from Alex. I'm concerned about Parker's decision to revert to a five at the back. Actually, we've answered this, haven't we, already? Um, You could just give him a nod and say, um, we've we've asked you a question. There was a question from Alex about Parker's decision to revert to a five at the back, but I feel like Sammy already raised that and it's something we've kind of dealt with. So I'm going to. Sorry for stealing your thunder, Alex. Sorry, Alex. Um, Richard Smith says we get some shockers in the championship but Mr Linnington deserves praise for allowing fair but strong challenges and ignoring a few players too ready to hit the floor easily do you agree Farrell I'll start with you you're a referees expert <laughs> sort of um, there's nothing that really struck out to me on Friday night that says that yeah there was a lot of like crunches and people falling over and whatnot to to warrant that I think that um, you know w- we've seen in in the years of the championship that the level of refereeing is a little bit less than what we're used to and what we were used to in the Premier League. And we're very, very quick to jump on poor refereeing performances and, you know, maybe quite rightly so. But I don't, it, there's nothing that really struck, you know, said to me that there was a lot, it was a, you know, a very physical game, but nothing that was too out of the ordinary for a championship game. I'm just still just completely gobsmacked by the the phantom corner right at the end the funny thing is on on the whole it probably was a half decent refereeing performance yeah, but was, yeah. but i still spent the entire 90 minutes absolutely berating the man so <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like it was a, a good performance but actually on the whole i can't really remember too many decisions he got massively wrong so yeah fair plays praise where praise is due Okay, let's roll on to Twitter. A couple of different questions here. Harry Prowse says, what's happened to Stephen Session? Anyone willing to offer any insights? Sammy? I've got absolutely no idea. I mean, maybe there's something else out there online. Jack, I feel like if anyone would know, you would. <laughs> I don't know anything, but, but I'm upset because this guy has made a couple of mistakes and then that's it. He's been abolished from the squad. Whereas Rodak- Do you think it's just that, though? I, Do you think it's... I, I, I'm not sure that it's just mistakes. I, you know, from the performance... Yeah, his debut was very good. Huddersfield, yeah. The next one after that, okay. And then after that, it, it Where well, the Forest game, he had a bit of a mare, didn't yeah. he? He made a big mistake against Charlton yeah. that didn't get punished if I'm... He came off a half-time against Charlton, I think. Yeah, after or just played. after, but he made a big mistake in that one, very similar to the Forest one. But I, I just... It, it doesn't strike me that this is all performance. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You don't know what it's like behind on the training ground, you know. Has he, you know, really had a serious drop-off of performances and confidence? 
Um, and you know he he's got a problem which is Cyrus Christie shaped the fact that this guy is obviously on the training ground obviously really you know training quite hard and uh, they're all fighting for places and as you can see he's been rewarded with performances and it's abs- it's probably you know it's probably just unfortunate for Sessegnon that he's got two very good right backs ahead of him but if there was any part of the squad where you would say actually the best chance for a youngster to get through is in that right back Birth. It is where we are weakest, barring maybe left back, just because there is no option other than and another ten. Cho. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. unless there is something we don't know about. It just seems bizarre that he's being dropped completely. It's probably I don't know. Maybe he's getting prepared for a loan spell somewhere else. Don't know. That's Perhaps. my only other thing. It's it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? Obviously, there's there's going to be continual links to Spurs with his brother there, but. You know, I got asked this really the other well week. Well, I got asked this the other week on radio, and I was like, "Well, with Mourinho there, I, I can't see us now. Just, I don't see why Stephen Sessegnon would, would feel like if he's not good enough to get into the Fulham team, he's suddenly good enough to get into the Spurs team." Um, so, so I'm, so I'm interested in that. I, you know, I, I hope that he returns at, at some point. I really do. It's, it's obviously nice to see your own through, but at, at the moment, you know, with Dennis Adoy doing what he did at the weekend, and Cyrus Christie putting in excellent cameos every time he comes onto the pitch. I don't. I don't know if there's anything more to say than maybe he's just been pushed down the pecking order by two people who are more experienced and and, and vastly kind of a little bit further along in their development than he is yeah. at this point. Um, we'll come on to fullbacks a little bit more because um, two questions here. One from Harry, who says, "Where do we need to improve in January in the window, and who do you think could do a job?" And Mike Levy says, "Who are realistic fullback transfer targets we should be looking at in the transfer window?" Anyone springs to mind, Jack? I can't think. I can't think of any. I think the only transfer target that I really think is a good idea has been mentioned before is a goalkeeper and someone that is obvious it springs to mind now it's been mentioned I'm not going to say it was my idea was Darren Randolph yeah, um, fr- from Middlesbrough it seems like an absolute no-brainer um, to get someone of his quality in at goal if you can but um, then it'd be very unfair on Rodak if he performs up until January and then we we put in a new goalkeeper. Has he has Rodak actually not yet have been excellent, or has he just been better than Bettinelli? Yeah, he hasn't been excellent. He's got I the potential think, though. He's, got, the he's potential. got potential, but I don't so think does everyone. I think that I think when it comes to the cards, there's no room for sentimentality no. here. If, if a transfer, if spending four million pounds gets you to the Premier League, they don't care if it hurts someone's feelings. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. And you know, I wasn't. I couldn't really think of any particular position that we really need to strengthen until you said goalkeeper and I was like actually yeah and uh, I'm not the best biggest fan of Darren Randolph but he would certainly be better than Rodak and Bettinelli at the moment I, I think we need a left back desperately absolutely like, to, okay, to the point as backup of, but not as first choice yeah but where do you go from that like as in who do you bring in the, the one you know that always springs to mind is, is someone like a Charlie Taylor and you know actually two weeks ago I would have gone hell for leather on this because he hadn't started for Burnley um, this entire year um, but now he's played the last two games so it's a little bit like a, a pullback but or you look to a an under 23 international an under 21 international who's at one of the big clubs who could come on loan someone like a Mark Gay from Chelsea but obviously someone that plays left back obviously he's more of a centre half who can feature wide if he needs to um, but you know, there's some. There's got to be someone out there who can come in and and put some pressure on Joe Bryan. And it's like Farrell said, I, you couldn't justify dropping him right now. But if you had another left-footed player who was, you know, able to do those kind of jobs, it just puts a little bit of, you know, 
I need to keep performing as high as I yeah, can to yeah. get to keep my spot in this team. The only other thing that I would probably look for is um, a bit more of a sort of really experienced Christian Fuchs. Yeah, or someone like a bit more kind of like versatile, like literally could plug so many gaps within, especially especially in the midfield. I feel because I don't think Onomar is quite good enough as yet, and you know, hopefully he will come good. But the you know one I've been really sort of like I have championed a little bit in the past was is Adam Reach because he is someone that could actually you know fit in a number of positions and is good enough, and he you know he's a really good squad player, you know, kind of for the same of mold of Oliver Norwood you know he's he's been there done that he knows what he's doing he comes he's good when he uh, starts he's good when he comes off the bench and he's you know and he's and he back. has an absolute rocket yeah, if you want yes. to score 40 yard bangers just sign Adam Reed. does love rockets <laughs> um, yours? that's the uh, the end of the question bag then I'm afraid my friend well thank you very much for your questions today thank you very much for listening as well uh, there will be a Fulhamish out on Wednesday night looking back at the Derby game and looking ahead to that Swansea game on Friday night as I say the games come thick and fast and as ever we'll try and get our reactions out there as, as quickly uh, as we possibly can do do come along on Friday to the EV bar in Southwark if you fancy keeping myself jack and farrell company because currently it's just the three of us um we'll well, run out of small talk very very quickly yeah watching on a very big screen (laughs) in a very big bar of people there we have to send them to the ev bar too (laughs) we run out of space (laughs) yeah well fingers crossed um and we just need to name this uh podcast jack what are you saying can't have lights camaraderie action yeah you're not allowed to do lights camera action lights camera action too yeah no the return um i i thought the, the cleverest one and my favourite one was Dan Winters take a boo son I thought you were going to go for that just, it had to just be just really good had just to like be quality content Dan Winter fair play you win Dan thank you very much for naming today's podcast and thank you to my three guests Jack Collins thank, thank you, you very so much, much. Farrell Monk thank you very much thank you very much and Jack Kelly thank you a good evening to everyone apart from Darren Bent <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely way to end the podcast Enjoy Tuesday and we'll see you later in the week. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Sarah. And we're the hosts of Pantsuit Politics, where we've built a community around grace-filled political conversations. And we wanted to share the words of our listeners because they understand best what we do. Susan told us, Many times I've used your words when my own have failed, opening doors that allow for discussion rather than debate. Amber says we encourage her to be more involved, to be a better citizen, and to be part of her community. Nicole said, Listening to you two process with one another is the only way for me to become unstuck. With the impending election on the horizon, join us and our amazing community of listeners at Pantsuit Politics as we prepare to vote, process the election, and prioritize our values and each other. Make sure you participate in our democracy by listening to Pantsuit Politics and, of course, exercising your right to vote. ACAST, A-cast, A-cast, A-cast recommends. recommends.